0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Word Balloon comic book podcast. John Suntris here. More coverage from San Diego Comic-Con. It's myself, John Mayo, and Kay Kellum. John and Kay, of course, from the Comic Book Page podcast. And uh, great to get with them. And uh, we recorded this on uh, Preview Day uh, a few hours before Preview Night began in San Diego. We found an empty room in the convention center, and uh, John had his uh, full equipment. He broke out all the equipment, and it sounds great. Um, But it's just the three of us talking, no audience, and uh, I like this. This was good. So uh, happy to bring it to you today. More coverage coming um, in the days ahead on uh, Word Balloon of Comic-Con and a few other things that I've recorded uh, this week. But uh, the panels are still to come. A great panel with Sal Abinati and a great panel with Trevor Goring. But, uh, you know, I I gave you three episodes last week. I'm going to give you at least that many this week, if not more. Because uh, stuff is starting to back up, and I want to, you know, also move forward with some of the connections that I made at Comic Con and start uh, pursuing those uh, avenues as well as far as uh, new chats. So uh, stick around; uh, great stuff coming up in the days ahead, including this conversation today on Word Balloon. All brought to you by In Stock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Take a look at some of the new trades that are out from InStockTrades.com, like uh, from Vertigo, Red Thorn. The first trade is out: Glasgow Kiss. From uh, David Bally and Megan Hetrick and Steve Pugh and Steve Olaf, Uh it is 50% off, just $7.49. You can get Weird World Trade Paperback Volume 1. Uh, this was the, is this the Secret Wars uh, stuff or is this Post-Secret Wars? This is Post-Secret Wars. Sam Humphreys and uh, Mike Del Mundo uh, giving us uh, Where Lost Things Go. This is Volume 1 of Weird World and it is uh, 50% off, just 8 dollars and ninety nine cents. Uh, let's see. What else have we got? You can get uh, Batman Detective Comics Volume 8, The Blood of Heroes, Francis Manipal and Brian Bucoletto, and Pete Damasi the writers for this uh, excellent trade. Fifty percent off twelve dollars and forty nine cents. You can get Machine Man. How about reaching back for uh, great stuff? The complete collection both uh, Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby represented in this fine collection 50% off it's just $19.99 at instocktrades.com more great deals coming up we'll talk about them at the end of the show but you should do yourself a favor and go over there now for great books at great prices instocktrades.com Word Balloon is also brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners thank you league for your support uh, they are the people that subscribe to Word Balloon monthly and uh, not asking for much, but if uh, you can help the cause out, it's a big help to get me to the conventions and make the connections for uh, some new conversations. So thank you, League, for your support. Go to uh, wordballoon.com, and uh, there's information on how you can uh, subscribe to Word Balloon via Patreon. Word Balloon is free. It will always be free. But if you want to help, that's the place to go, uh, wordballoon.com or patreon.com slash wordballoon. Even a dollar a month makes a big difference. And uh, if you like the content you hear at Word Balloon, it's a good way to support the show and uh, help me make these uh, trips, upgrade the equipment, and uh, give you more great content every month here at WordBalloon.com. Also, I wanted to let you know that Word Balloon is on a whole bunch of new platforms uh, lately. Uh, I am starting to put out YouTube uh, podcasts as well. Um, It's the same content that you're hearing. It's just available now on YouTube. Uh, so we're, we're at a few new platforms. I'm also on SoundCloud. So um, just started uh, last month with uh, the July releases uh, showing up on YouTube. SoundCloud, it's been a few months. But if you're interested in uh, checking out nor- more places to find Word Balloon, uh, those are just a couple of the places to check out. All right, without further ado, I want to present the podcast panel that uh, happened at uh, San Diego. And uh, it's me, John and Kay. It's a a really fun conversation. Good catching up with them. And I hope you enjoy it. Let's listen to it now on Word Balloon. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're doing uh, another podcast panel here at uh, San Diego. But it's uh, quiet time because uh, we're recording this on Wednesday before preview night. And uh, I'm very happy to be here. And uh, it's uh, me, John Suntras, from uh, the Word Balloon podcast. And uh, we've got uh, John and Kathleen uh, Mayo from uh, Comic Book Page podcast. And it's good to see you guys, as always. Yeah, good to see you, too. And I'm glad we could
1: do this kind of before convention gets started because, man, once this thing gets going, I get tired real quick. This convention (laughs) has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger.
0: I'm glad you said it, man, because you're a lot younger than me. And I'm like, I'm creaking. And yeah, I know I, I agree. My my mind is tapioca, and I will do my best today. But I, I don't promise anything. We've been having fun.
1: We walked around uh, last night, and it's again a full twenty four hours plus before the convention's going. They're building the South Park stuff over in front of the the high, uh, Hilton gas mm-hmm. lamp. They've got the Amazon stuff for Man in the High Castle and one or two other things. Then behind the convention center, they had a bunch of stuff being built for. Uh, I guess the FX stuff. Uh, just it's, it's amazing the amount of construction and, and whatnot that happens in the immediate, like, 48 hours before the convention kicks and off. And they
0: tear it down in hours on Monday oh, morning because I've stayed beyond Sunday a couple times, and it is fun seeing that because literally by 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Monday, you would have no idea that Comic-Con just happened. Yeah, it he- is a ghost town.
1: You walk down a thing for, for like an early breakfast or whatever, and it's like, oh, they're tearing that stuff down. You come back. It's like, where did he gone. go? Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: Once or twice, we've gone out to Cabrillo National Monument on the Tuesday before Con. Okay. And you know these big wraps on the sides of the hotels. Sure. And they look huge when you're right here. Well, as the crow flies, Cabrillo's about five miles okay. from here, and you can make out what some of those logos on the hotels are for these wraps.
0: I wonder how that teardown goes. Is it like one big adhesive, like, like a band-aid? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that's awesome. I'd like to be there for the unpeeling. They get some guys
1: bungee jumping from the top, just <laughs> propelling down, taking the whole thing down. Can down.
0: I have the NBC logo, man? That would look awesome on my garage door. <laughs> it's just crazy how big. Oh
1: literally big the advertising is on these things they they wrap the hotels some of the hotels the elevators are taken over i mean this as a media and marketing opportunity is such a a big thing these days
3: they changed the face of the city for a few days oh sure
0: literally absolutely i wanted to see i'm, I'm thumbing through the the program because as, as we talk about these wraparounds, I, I noticed – I was talking to Ed Cato, who's got the Captain Action License, and mm. he's with uh, Bonfire okay. Advertising. He was telling me that um, – because I said at the time, I'm like, you know, I was so burnt out from flying, I, I didn't even pay attention to what's on the hotels. And he said, you know, it's mostly TV. And I also noticed that, like – It is. Um, so I was wondering, you know, yeah, how, because I keep hearing as the con was approaching that there weren't going to be as many films – and film companies kind of doing their full haulage presentation. And I the know that Strain,
3: were- Conan, Once Upon a Time, uh, The Kiefer Sutherland, Something Survivor, which the side face to that is sounds political and is Your really next funny. next will
1: be elected, I think, is the phrase. <laughs> and I'm like, too soon, too soon.
0: <laughs> I noticed uh, Emerald City for NBC yeah. yes. and Timeless for NBC yeah. by, by Tin Fish. I had my uh, mm-hmm. my fish taco lunch that I always look forward to. Uh, and across the street from that
1: would have been the Suicide Squad stuff they're setting up at the Hard Rock. Oh, So awesome. that would be one of the, the few movie Okay, things. and that makes mm-hmm. sense. And then also, I think in that basic area is where they're putting the Game of Thrones stuff.
0: Okay, So, uh, HBO.
1: Yeah, a mm-hmm. lot of this, theory, they're advertising stuff that is very much centered to us as an audience, even if it's not comic books per se. It's just oh, sure. stuff we're very much interested in. Oh, yeah.
3: I'm very curious about the uh, Wonder Woman invisible jet. I think it's supposed to be the cockpit.
0: Yeah, but are you expecting like a clear kind of plexiglass? Like that
3: would like be awesome. Friends? I'm kind of
0: expecting a unveiling of nothing and going, here it is. Yeah. I think one of the two. I'm hoping she's right, but I'm, I'm hoping you're right. To, you're right. Too, I'm, expe- I'm expecting a big unveiling of nothing. <laughs>
3: okay, well, it's, so it's, it's, And there's we're also a very
0: special force field that would appear as though there's nothing there, but it's there. Yeah, yeah oh, it's there. It. So I'm kind of bummed about the Wonder Woman panel. My friend Susan Eisenberg uh, got denied and uh, wasn't even invited. And if anyone has been carrying the torch playing Wonder Woman for the longest time, hey, love you, Linda Carter, but Susan's got her beat by, like, you know, four times as many years. I mean, you know, Susan's done it for, like, 12 years, and Linda did it for, like, three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not cool. I mean, it's no. all about the movie, and I get that. Yeah. But really, I mean, you know, it's kind of like Kevin Conroy as uh, Batman, you know, honestly. I mean, Susan's always been Wonder Woman for well, a generation of fans.
1: And there's an aspect of pay tribute to the, the the history of the actors and stuff that yeah. have, have built up
0: this stuff to get us where we are today. Absolutely. Well, that's the thing, man. And, and yeah, I really think that those Warner animated shows, man, I'll tell you, For I know a good generation of the people I interview that you know that was their entry point to comics was Batman animated series, Superman yeah. animated series, and Justice League.
1: I think without the Bruce Timpal Dini stuff, yeah. we would be looking at a different industry right now. Totally. And not a better one. Because totally. I think they really understood the core of, of Batman, of Superman, of the Justice League, and made it so accessible, so exciting for uh, a whole generation. You know, much like the Fox X-Men cartoon did for, for absolutely
0: people. Oh yeah.
1: Um, I think uh, again, every generation kind of has their cartoon. For me, it was Super Friends.
0: Sure. You know, and I was at the tail end of that, and 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 I got I got the Saturday morning and afternoon reruns of. Spider-Man, the Bashki Spider-Man, and Marvel superheroes, and it's so funny now how people just crap on the Marvel superheroes, and it's like, yeah, but they're using real comic book art in that, which and stories too, absolutely, totally, man. The Space Phantom is uh, the the Avengers Two, is totally done in a a Hulk cartoon. Yeah, there's uh, God, the the first appearance of the X-Men is in a Submariner cartoon, and it's when uh, they took the Fantastic Four. Doctor Doom, Submariner story, where the Baxter, Baxter Building gets launched into space, uh-huh. and instead of the Fantastic Four, it's the X Men.
1: Interesting, and yeah, it's yeah.
0: crazy. But the Professor X is there, and Cyclops, and Angel. And all right, this is something I got to ask since we're talking
1: about <laughs> cartoons. You're, you're just enough older than me, and really not that much, I think. But uh, the the Hanna Barbera cartoon stuff that DC's kind of revamping mm-hmm. and, and retooling. Um, I've read the first issue of Flintstones, the first two issues of Future Quest, the first Mm -hmm. issue of Wacky Raceland, and what was the other one they did? Uh, Scooby Apocalypse, first two Yes, yes. Uh, For me, I I watched a lot of those cartoons, I guess more in reruns than first run.
0: Probably Cartoon Network and Boomerang and stuff Uh, like that. Oh, no. Even before then. Oh, when Turner was doing it, I guess, Uh, before then. I would say— Pre-Turner. Before,
2: when it was still ABC,
0: NBC, CBS, and PBS.
1: Okay, sure. Okay. Just they would rerun the Scooby Doo stuff on the Saturday. Well definitely that, like that stuff. I was thinking yeah. more
0: of the like pure adventure like Galaxy Trio. Yeah.
1: And well Herculoid. I remember seeing them Herculoid. as kids. But I know the copyright stuff on that is like late sixties. Right. And I'm really late sixties for my copyright, so you know I know I didn't see it live. <laughs> um, but how is that stuff working for you? Because I think you may be a little bit more in the
0: Well, I I mean I love Future Quest because uh, Doc Shaner know. Uh, absolutely, is a Toth-inspired uh, artist, and uh, I know Jeff Parker. I mean, you know, he he gets it, and you know that was clear from his Batman '66 stuff, and even yeah. his Agents of Atlas stuff. I would yeah.
1: say, yeah, I agree. You know, with so,
0: that. so so you know, th- that's the right team. Um, I love Jam DiMatteis and uh, DiMatteis. I never get the name right. Uh, but I'm not a big fan of Scoopy Apocalypse. I, I'm glad they're also still doing a traditional Scoopy-Doo comic. Well, they're doing two. And what gets me is I recently – Oh, that's right because there's a team-up The team-up. Team I recently I really read like.
1: uh, issue 16 of that. The Marvel Family one The Marvel Family one. That was awesome. Oh, Doc Shatter again. It was brilliant. Uh, that was a, a series that a number of my listeners had recommended on our yearly you know what do you like podcast okay. episode and I'm like oh I haven't haven't read this. I should check this out and I saw the Marvel family one. It's like, okay, I'll do that. I've since picked up the two trades and the missing issues. I think I still got it at number fifteen, but I mean okay it, they <laughs> captured both the Scooby aspect, the Marvel family aspect the melding of the stuff, and it was something that is all ages, it's not written down, yeah. and it's got the wholesome fun. It was brilliant. No,
0: it's great. It really is great. You know? yeah. I'm not a... But Scoopy Apocalypse, I get it. I'm just not... Imp- I don't like the new designs. Man, I'll tell you, somebody... I, I, you know, I, I, Jim Lee did a great job for all the designs for Injustice. I mean, that's, that's all interesting and fun. Mm. I can't say I was a big fan of a lot of his designs for the new 52. Really not feeling it for these uh, Scoopy Apocalypse characters. I don't... I don't think it's necessary, and and I read the Flintstone one, the first issue. I appreciated the humor, but it still smacked of those John Goodman movies and whoever was in that second one with uh, uh, with Rick Moranis. Uh, or no, the, well, Rick Moranis was in the John, the John Goodman was, one. Right, he was funny. Stephen Baldwin, and um, the, it's a the big fat British Rosie guy Adam who was in. Oh, uh. Uh, no, because even Jane Krakowski or whatever her you're name right. is from Three right. Rock, she's Betty. Uh, what's her face? Tall, funny woman from Third Rock from the Sun is Wilma. British guy who I don't think I ever saw this. I, I haven't seen Viva before. Rock Ve- Viva yeah. Rock Vegas again. I appreciate the humor. It's but yeah, it, it reminds me of the live-action films, which are kind of a poor cousin to the Hanna Barbera greatness. In fact, you remember in the either late '90s or early 2000s, was it John Kay or somebody else who, or, or was it Gendi Terra? Kofsky or whatever his name is, who did a, com- a Cartoon Network 70-minute Flintstone movie. And um, it, it, it kind of resembled the Hanna-Barbera okay. look, but it was a little more... Because the look was a little different. The
1: story felt deeper than the cartoon did for the, the Flintstones comic and stuff. The new comic. Yeah, the new comic. Yeah, yeah. no,
0: and, I, and that's why. Like, I, I appreciated the humor... I didn't want I don't care for the art. I I just think they're trying too hard to make it look real. And it's like, Mm. no man, this is like you wouldn't do that to Mickey Mouse. You wouldn't do that to any signature trademark hero or 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 cartoon character that you can think of. No, that's what Bugs Bunny's supposed to look like. That's what Fred Flintstone is supposed to look like. Don't mess with that. And that that Cartoon Network uh, full length movie, they got people who could do uh Alan Reed, like an Alan Reed kind of genuine Flintstone voice. Mm. So, did you see the documentary? I know that voice, the one that uh, I have, I have DiMaggio seen that. Made? The guy who does currently Fred Flintstone, when he broke down, well, Alan Reed sounded like this, and I forget uh, the guy's name who did the '70s after Alan Reed passed away, mm-hmm. who did all the Flintstone pebbles, you know, Bonnie, that guy. He he did his voice, and then he combined them, and it's the the most amazing thing watching the guy do that. But for the uh, <laughs> for the Cartoon Network one, I just remember there's a scene where Fred and Wilma go to a marriage counselor, and Wilma is imitating Fred. To the counselor and in Fred's voice says, hey, Bonnie, want to wanna come over and come up with a scheme that not only will screw up our money, but also jeopardize our marriages? Oh, sounds great, Fred. I'll be right over. <laughs> and that just, I, I still remember it. Yeah. It's like the, one of the funniest things I've ever. Sounds great, Fred. I'll be right over.
1: <laughs> I've got the, uh, that, that video was talking about, uh, I know that voice. John okay. DiMaggio, yeah. yeah. That that I want to have you watch because okay. I think it'd be fun to review because there were a couple of parts where it's like, okay, now I can put a face to the, the mm. voice for exactly. some of these guys. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. But also, the the craft these voice actors have. Yeah, the guy who did, uh, I think it was Elmer Fudd, no Porky Pig. Okay, and he was guy. breaking down how to, to insert, you know, the the syllables just right to get <laughs> the, the the formula. Yeah. No, for the it.
0: mechanics exactly. No, that's really interesting. I agree.
1: And they had kind of the uh, the pop up of uh, characters or whatever. Animating, kind of showing you what he's doing. That's awesome. And it's like, wow, it's like, you know, he, he's got this down to a science, and he's nailed the voice. He knows what he's doing. Yeah,
0: no, it's really cool. And it's really cool that, like, you know, Sweet June Foray was still, you know, yeah. in her 90s and still, like, showing up for work and everything. And, yeah, no problem, I'll be there.
1: So I mean, that's cool.
0: Yeah. These are the <laughs> kinds of
1: guys that can come to a convention like this, and unless they're on a panel or something like that, you can walk by and not have any idea who they are but have enjoyed literally thousands of hours of entertainment because of
0: that. All right, this will test your age. Stan Freeberg, you know Stan Freeberg? I know of. Okay, he was here at Comic-Con 2010, 2011, and it was right before a, what was the HBO vampire show? First Blood, Bad Blood? First First Blood. Blood. First Blood. Uh, was the first blood, or was True that blood? True blood, True blood, True blood. Thank you. There you True go. True blood, exactly. First it's a Blood's lot of Randall. blood. It's, it's, yeah, you know, innocent blood, of course. The Don Rickles vampire uh. movie with John Landis. Anyway, um, so people were in for the True Blood, uh, co- you know, panel mm-hmm. and just you know filling the room. But Stan was first, and Stan's wife introduced Stan, and she's like, "Look, I know you're here for True Blood, and I'm sure you, when you see Stan Freeberg, you have no idea who this guy is. Let me go through his resume." And she's like, you know, he was the beaver in Bambi. He was the, I forget what animal he was, in Lady and the Tramp. And all of a sudden, a few women go, oh, you know, and it was great. And they just went through his resume, and it's like, oh, we do know this guy, and we do like this guy. And he rocked. He was hilarious, and it's so cool. And, you know, yeah, he was one of those last guys that, you know, worked with Mel and worked with June Foray back in the day and everything. Again, there was that that classic group
1: in the day. We've had a lot of very talented people since then.
2: Mm -hmm. But I
1: think it's a a bit of a different industry because I think they tend to do – I don't want to say fewer voices, but it's not like, again, you had the Mel Blanc that would do, like, everybody or whatever.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Well, you know, and obviously maybe to keep costs down as well in some cases. But the great thing is a lot of the modern people, like I was saying about the guy who broke down Fred Flintstone, you know, they, they really want to recapture yes. the vibe well, of that classic they're stuff. They're did, fans of it. Did you see the Tom and Jerry Johnny Quest movie? No. I would not have watched it had my friend Heath Corson not written it. And I saw it, and it is great, especially the first ten minutes is pure Tom and Jerry, and it looks like an authentic 40s Tom and Jerry uh, cartoon. Mm-hmm. The gags are great. They are they are silent. Th- they don't talk, which is great. And even when they finally get together with the Quest family— None of the animals talk, including Bandit. Mm, And they have their own little interactions with Bandit while they're trying to solve this mystery. And it was a very successful combination of the two. That and my favorite Scooby-Doo movie is one that uh, James Tucker wrote, and it happened at a Comic-Con. And it was like the mystery of the Blue Falcon. And the whole Mm. conceit of the movie was that they were retooling a new Blue Falcon movie. And going to make it, like, for today's audience. And Dino Mud suddenly became kind of a Robocop, kind of serious I've heard about robot. that one. It's very funny. And the great thing about it is all of the action Hanna-Barbera cartoons are represented at this Comic-Con in different you know, uh, aisles and stands right. and stuff like that. So like the Galaxy Trio is sitting around doing autographs and stuff like that. It's great. I mean these are – these are if you're a convention fan and stuff, you got to see that movie. No, I need verify. to check
1: that one out because when I was uh, – after reading Future Quest and the, the Scooby team up, it's like I need to dig back into some of
0: the Hanna-Barbera library because it's classic stuff. It holds yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. And it's I think uh, even a lot of the adventure stuff, I mean – I think Birdman, and I think especially Johnny Quest, my God. Yeah. It's a pleasure watching Johnny Quest. Mm-hmm. And I remember, and I'm sure you do too as a kid, summertime in the re, uh, summertime reruns, they would run it in prime time I sometimes.
1: I actually didn't watch that much Johnny Quest. My familiarity with the character is more from the comics that, was it now or Kimiko did? Kimiko. Kimiko, that's yeah. who it was. those were good. Oh, man, the art was amazing on oh, those yeah. two. Oh,
0: well, and uh, uh, Steve Rude. Yeah. Was doing that stuff. Yeah. Steve yeah. Rude had his heart broken by Alex Toth. He sent him a, a Johnny Quest comic, and in typical Alex Toth fashion, he's like, well, you got this wrong, you got that wrong. Oh. Uh, it's a gun, and it's raining. I don't know how the hell the gun's going to fire if the gun's wet. And poor Steve's just like, oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm, I'm still a fan. Yeah. Oh. You don't deserve to be my fan. Thank you, Alex. Good man. Ah, those were the days. Yeah. So yeah. And uh, uh, Steve you're doing an excellent job kind of pitching in for Doc on uh, Future Quest. I think they, they had a few inventory stories because uh, Doc is a slow artist to begin with, but also he just had a baby. Oh, wow. So, That's yeah. And I mean, it's, you impactful know, cause, into the schedule. Because, yeah, he's great. And I'm like, hey, Word Balloon. He's like, oh, dude, we're, we're about to have a baby. I'm like, I will talk to you next year. <laughs> <laughs> you take care. Good luck to you. I can talk to Parker in the meantime. But, yeah, and I like the Wacky Races apocalypse. I I, I I kind of like how weird it is.
1: It it was too Mad Max for me. I uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. I
1: remember the cartoon fondly, and this oh, is yeah. so different.
0: It, it's well, it is, and that's yeah, yeah. You know, and that's so. Who is it for? Because that's the question. Are you? I mean, I I was at a couple of DC. I was at Wonder DC Retailer Summit, and you know, Dan was. I got to tell you, really excited about this Annabelle Bear stuff, and you know, it's great and. Uh, we're doing this and we're making it a little different. And I'm like, yeah, but, I, you know, do kids care about this? I'm like, the only people that would care about this are People would, you know, from a sentimental memory value.
1: Okay, so I
0: haven't been to that
1: retailer summit. However, I've listened to that retailer summit. You even asked a question there, I believe. The guys. Oh, did someone
0: did someone release it? Cowabunga awesome. Comics
1: uh, recorded it, released it.
0: I did ask a question.
1: And what got me was this whole thing, not the whole thing. Most of it was about the uh, the the rebirth stuff before. Well, it was yeah,
0: because he kind of felt like he owed everybody an apology. Sorry that our comics sucked, basically.
1: And I appreciate that they apologized because. <laughs> They did suck. But what got me is for that last part of it, Mm -hmm. okay, because the first 20 minutes is all about the Hanna-Barbera, how we're going in a new direction, doing new takes on these things and shaking things up, followed by we're going to go back to the old, comfortable, familiar feel for the DC stuff because when we shook it up, it didn't work. They didn't say it that way, but it seemed like mixed messages
0: for me. Well, yeah, I guess they want to experiment and feel they probably safely can with Hanna-Barbera because those books only do a certain number. Anyway, well, And to your point, they're
1: keeping the Scooby-Doo, uh, where are you, and the Scooby-Team-Up stuff going. Yeah, So it's not like they're turning off the old material. Right. right? And it's not like we were getting any of it anyways for Flintstones or uh, the Johnny yeah. Quest stuff or things like that. So- but that's
0: the thing. We weren't getting, with the rare exception of some digital uh, comics like Adventures of Superman and the yeah. uh, Legends of the Dark Knight and, and the Wonder Woman digital comic, we weren't getting – your core DC product that, you know, all of us grew up on until five years of a downward uh, spiral. And finally, okay, we get the message. You don't care anymore. And it's like, yeah, we don't care anymore. Well, because they disconnected us from the characters, right? And everything you knew doesn't, uh, sorry, that didn't happen, especially the Titans, which is so stupid because that is the core of the demo. You know, that's the core of your demographic that you want and everything. And and I understand. I mean, I, I didn't have that love affair with the Titans like my friends did and my younger friends did. But I get it. And to suddenly be like, yeah, that maybe happened. Maybe it didn't. We're really not interested in that. Let me tell you some stories about Tim Drake and uh, yeah. Cassie and... Uh, all these third-generation uh, sidekicks and stuff that we don't care about when, as we, much.
1: When we were kids, Mom would go grocery shopping, so we could sure eat. I appreciate that. I like eating. But uh, <laughs> while she was doing the grocery shopping, I would you know let her go do that. I would head over to the comic rack over okay. at the grocery store back when they had those. That's how old I am. And this was around the time of New Teen Titans, All-Star Squadron, uh, Superboy and Legion was changing to Legion of Superheroes. It was a really good time for DC. Oh, yeah. So I was growing up on those comics. So when they hit New 52, and it's like you said, New Teen Titans, who are they kind of a thing? There's a bit of an off-putting aspect to that. And for them now to say, oh, yeah, mistakes were made, we're going to kind of fix. (laughs) And particularly from that roadshow, I got the sense of mistakes were made, but not necessarily full ownership of who made them. Because to me, it was endemic of an editorial disconnect somehow. Either they were hiring people who are good editors, but maybe not comic fans or vice versa, something to where right now with Rebirth, and I hope it succeeds, and initial numbers indicate that they are, they're trying to, to give us back what they think we want. And I hope they're correct on this. Because just the couple of Rebirth titles in June totaled up to more sales than all of D.C. had been doing any other month this
0: year. That doesn't surprise me. What I'd be interested in, and you're the guy to ask uh, when you have a chance to crunch the numbers, is initially that for that first year or almost year, there was a big honeymoon for the new 52. Yes, there was. Because it was fresh and it was different, and I think people were willing to give it the benefit of the doubt and see. And there were some good books. Mm -hmm. Animal Man was good. Swamp Thing was good. Yes, uh, Snyder doing Batman and Jeff Johns doing Green Lantern. Those were good, and they they didn't touch us. Flash was still very good. Brian yeah. bucoleto and uh, Francis Manipal, they were doing a good job. So there were a handful. But then nothing happened. I mean, that's the thing. Like, after that first initial blush, it. it I mean, stories just dragged on, and and there didn't seem to be a point of where is all this like because they they gave us the assumption that there was going to be something with Pandora yes and that there was some big secret and something was happening well, and, that and kind then of, and it never happened uh, forever evil was kind of the payoff I for guess. that yeah, you're right. pay off i guess yeah and it was payoff lightly yeah no but yeah and you're right no you you are right but that's the thing and then afterwards it was like whatever i mean they made superman literally un- unrecognizable and yes. it didn't it didn't yes. occur to me until i just talked to dan Jurgens. They remade Superman into Monel. They gave him Monel's haircut. They gave him Monel's costume. If you made uh, Superman's New Fifty Two costume red and blue, it had the it had the same stupid collar. It totally oh, wow. covered his neck. And I'm like, oh my god, they turned reverse, him into
1: Monel. Reverse the colors, yeah. They,
0: and they made him into Monel. And it's like that's that's not Superman. It's got to look like Superman. I love what Jurgens and Tomasi are doing right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's excellent. I mean, that's the thing. I'm, I'm a big fan. And if you know, I guess the naysayers are like DC stands for Dad's Comics. Well, I guess I'm a dad then. You know, because I like it. It, it, they're they're getting back to what made these characters interesting. They're bringing the unity back. There was, I heard there was a huge editorial note during the New Fifty Two. No, we don't want families. We want renegades. We want outsiders. We want, you know, and it's like. That's not you're what old, I want. Y- well, and also that's not what your company was built on. Yeah, I mean you're basically yeah. ignoring. And it was such weird timing because it was literally right after they had celebrated their 75th anniversary, and all uh-huh. of a sudden it's like, yeah, happy 75th anniversary. Okay, that's old news. Now we're doing this, and I assumed that it was a lot of it was to reestablish new origins and and things to make them corporately owned, and so that they didn't have to worry about the estates of some of these, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know. Former, you know, creators and stuff. I don't well, know. That,
1: that, that's an interesting point because I felt the new fifty two came out of just really low sales and some apathy and stuff, and they needed to to reinvigorate. Take, things. Yeah, kick in the pants. Yeah. But we're again going through a similar thing with rebirth now, and look at how many characters from the new fifty two era and the new rebirth stuff are uh, uh, new versions of old characters, and how few are actually new characters. I mean if you look at The Legends of Tomorrow comic right they bring back Sugar and Spike these baby characters right. as right. private eyes yeah versus create new characters it's almost as if they're making a point of not creating new characters
0: yeah, that's well. That's a fair. That's a fair statement. I. I mean, that's that's one comic though, and I. And I. And I don't know what else you're doing with Sugar and Spike because for years it's you know they wouldn't but do they anything. They did nothing with them. Well, they did nothing with them domestically, but internationally they were still very popular. Really? Do yeah. Yeah. The original. Okay. The original books and stuff. Well, because you know it's that you know Asterix kind of uh, crowd in, of European comic lovers, and you know the silly kid stories kind of fit that world and everything. So, no, and I, I want to say, was it E. e Nelson Birdwell that uh, Birdwell that I think uh, did Sugar and Spike? Uh, I was thinking
1: Shell, uh, Morta, but I, Shelley Moldanoff yeah. or whatever? I old may old be thinking artist? the artist,
0: though. Uh, it might be the two of them, though. Yeah, I'm not sure either. All right. I got them in the, uh, the old Digest comics. Oh, that's fun. I remember, too. Didn't they come out with a big dollar size Sugar and Spike at one point?
1: I thought they did. They might have during the Silver Age uh, fifth-week event they did back in mid-'90s. Oh, 2000s. funny,
0: because I was even thinking back in uh, the, um, you know, again in the 70s or whatever. Okay. Maybe, when those do- when those big yeah. oversized dollar comics they were They probably did at that point. But, yeah. No, I, you know, it's, that doesn't bother me. But you're right about, like, well, I, I haven't been reading the Legends of Tomorrow comic. Is it is it Robbie Raymond? Is it, uh, is it, uh... The, it's the kid from the show,
1: uh, Robbie and Jason. It's as if it picked oh, up from funny. the Firestorm series of the New Fifty Two. Oh, funny! And Legends of Tomorrow, the comic book, is basically a Firestorm series, a Metamorpho series, a Sugar and Spike series, and Metal Man, all under you know one pages right. of, of you know one cover. Do they alternate or do
0: they only? have No, like four, f- it's four, eighty five pages. pages. Oh, it's an eighty-page book. So I'm it's like four,
1: four monthly books under one one roof.
0: Oh, wow. How much does it cost? Uh,
1: Five bucks, seven ninety nine, I think. Okay, it's still a better deal than if you were to get all four individually. Okay, but if you only want one of them, it's not so much of a deal. Why would
0: you? Why would you give it the the TV title and not have it be? That I'm not sure because Firestorm's the
1: only possible connection. Yeah, and while it's got Professor Stein and Ronnie in there, uh, it.
0: So Martin Stein is still around. That's yeah, good.
1: But he's not part of Firestorm. He's like the advisor. Oh, something. he's
0: okay. So he's not part of the matrix. He's yeah. just advising them back at the lab.
1: So it's it's a different take on the character.
0: Yeah, yeah. Weird. So Conway's writing it though, isn't he?
1: Yes. That's uh, cool. Yeah.
0: I love him. I'm so happy for him. He, he is one of those guys that I'm really happy when they give him something new to do. He always writes something interesting. Last <laughs> days of Animal Man. Just just whatever. as a quick
1: aside, if you hear Rumbling like we're being attacked by Godzilla or something. I'm assuming that they're testing out the whole H sound system beneath us. That's my guess.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, a comic con, you get I, you get kind of used to it, and I'm sure you know, being in California, there might be some event that might happen during a comic con. Either Comic-Con. that or it was a quake, one of
1: the two. Exactly. I just
0: i That's so funny. You know, that happened in, in uh, Illinois when I was. Uh, broadcasting downstate and we actually did have an earthquake oh wow and i'm like it's not an earthquake we're in illinois for god's sake and like illinois is under a fault too and like, oh and it was an earthquake so i um what's going on podcast west man how's now with things going uh,
1: it's going good it's busy we've been doing uh three episodes a week now wow. since april of last year good for you man uh we're covering all kinds of movies television shows uh
0: are you still opening your uh still doing the box lights i love when you do that matter that's f- awesome
1: matter of fact we did one this morning uh from the hotel room
0: oh awesome what was the
1: theme it was this was the wizard comic-con box that had come for okay North, and it was uh, crew
0: crew was the theme are you getting these as a press bonus or are you paying for your subscriptions, uh, I'm paying paying. For my subscriptions. Tr- well that's all right i mean these are businesses i was yeah, gonna say man. either way okay and, and you find them worth it are they fun uh, one or two we've stopped doing, and a few others are kind of on the, the
1: chopping block. Others we're definitely enjoying.
0: Are you doing advertising on your show?
1: I do not do advertising. I do not do uh, um, in, uh, uh, sponsorships. Um uh, come? Of, uh, part of it is – and this is part of why we pay for the boxes versus doing Well, them. I was going to say you could write them off if you're a technic, right? Yeah, would we, think. Well, yeah. We, we will write them off. Don't get okay. me wrong on the tax okay. purposes. but. I figure if somebody gives me stuff or is paying me to do stuff, I, you know, I want to be able to speak my mind, and if I don't like something, to just flat out say that. And I respect more, that. More sure. importantly, if I say something positive, I don't want it discounted because somebody thinks, well, he's been bought. You
0: know. Okay. No, I get that, and I, and it's funny because I, for a brief time, did a, an um, an arrangement with uh, a company. And I started to feel like, you know, I feel like I'm I'm not being true. As, even though I don't do reviews, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm selling a product that I don't really have faith in. So I get that. But, I mean, there are enough other uh, sponsorships that, you know, I, yeah. mean, I mean, even, you know, God, Discount Comic Book Service that sponsors so many of us. And everything, I feel and you know. I've offered promote- a time or two for me. That's cool because yeah. I was going to say, yeah. and I promote the service because I believe in it. It's a good service. Same here. It's a great service, and they're and they're wonderful people. And I, you know, that's the thing. And it's like, no, they, you know, it's a good deal. Like you, people should shop with them. You know, absolutely. And I'm sure they're hearing a in stock trades commercial on, on my version of this show. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> but no, it's true. I mean, you know, but it's um it's interesting though. You know, uh, Chicago just had the podcast uh, movement conference mm-hmm. last week. I wasn't able to attend because. Um, I had a, a work conflict and I couldn't go, but I did have I did get feedback from a lot of friends that went, um, that do other other types of podcasts, not not right. nerd, not nerd culture stuff, and um, no, it's interesting. And also um, with podcasting right now, there's the affiliate advertising. You know, use this code and you mm. get you know so mm-hmm. much off, right? And, and things. And it's someone made the point, and I agree with them. It's like they want podcasters to prove that their audience is actively pursuing this product and it's like well, wait a minute do you do this with newspapers do you yeah. do this yeah. with uh, television and it's a fair comment to respond back and everything and say wait a minute you know i mean because I, I think i mean and again it's not just us it's not just geek culture you know uh the biggest you know adam carolla and, yeah. and hardwick and them they do harry's razors they do you know uh i'm, I'm blanking my right? audible or whatever mm-hmm. and everything I, I, you know, the, so. the part that gets me
1: with the whole marketing, advertising, and all that kind of stuff is not not just podcasts have to prove themselves or whatever. But, I mean, like I've been doing the preview spotlight on a monthly basis for over 100 months now. We just had the 100th episode of that a couple okay. months back. And I've basically said this is an open submission thing. So mm-hmm. if you're a publisher, if you're a creator, if you're a marketing person at one of these companies. Feel free. they their PR person or, or whatever. Send in a clip of of what they're doing, promote their stuff. And by and large, they just don't. And I'm like, here's an opportunity where not only do I have the right target audience, Mm -hmm. I've got them prepped looking for things to go by. Mm -hmm. This is a wonderful opportunity. And I don't know what it is about the nerd space that kind of makes that just... That disconnect kind of happen. Well,
0: I, a I, I also think there's there are so many yeah podcasts. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So if they're not, I mean, I, I take nothing for granted, and, and truly, I mm-hmm. mean this because I, I don't want to like, well, you know, whatever. I mean, I've been you know I've been doing it eleven years. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But I don't you know I don't take it for granted that someone knows who I am. And,
3: and oh yeah. You know, and especially oh, at a place either. like this.
0: No. You know, and it's and
3: that's fine. It's okay. So. But they don't seem to see value in submitting a thirty second clip. About their I comments, didn't expect them
0: to like, have just like heard a, about yeah, you said like, like a voice like a voicemail right. basically yeah.
1: yeah I'm like you know I've yeah, gone have you to gone
0: into them directly? To some yeah, of the publishers directly. I
1: do this. Here's the card for it, whatever. And it's like if they don't want to take oppor- uh, advantage of the opportunity, that's fine. That's their decision.
0: And even like the the Valiance or the i right. you know, the second tier the, the, the smaller
1: publishers. I've yeah. gone to a couple that I think have some good material, and it's like hey, I want to promote you, but. I'm picking this out of preview, so I don't always have the lead time. I may have missed something until I see it, you know, whatever. You know what's coming. You know what you want promoted. Uh, but, you know.
0: Are you at the convention going to actively network in that capacity?
1: Yes, sort of, but not whole hog. Okay. I'm here mainly as an attendee, not, you know, as the hype machine for the podcast. I'm I'm fifty.
0: Because I, you know, I mean, well, I'd say even a a three thirds. Because I would say a third of me is out doing some press junkets and trying to get a few interviews. Mm -hmm. A third of me is just enjoying the show, and a third of me is also trying to drum up business. Because well, Mm -hmm. for you with the interviews, this is a great opportunity for you. But mostly for networking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because you know, I mean, I, I like doing you know an hour long interview and stuff. So it's like, and also I know how valuable. The creators' times are oh god oh, yeah so, this convention
1: particularly yeah. So, yeah
0: so I mean literally it's just hey how's it going you know like DC offered hey we're doing you know floor interviews well last year they were doing stage interviews on you know kind of the way Marvel's been doing it for the last few years uh-huh. and I said because I, they arranged and I said oh you know I haven't talked to Lee Bromeho yet and that's good you know good introduction to just mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. ten or fifteen minutes with him and hey let's do something longer later. Well, they had, in fact, Susan Eisenberg being interviewed by Heath Corson, two of my friends on stage. And it was blasting. Yes. And I'm right next to him. And I'm like, I can't yeah. use this audio. Yeah. And I'll be honest, uh, the PR person like, what's the problem? And I'm like, well, the problem is this is an audio interview. Now, this isn't a print interview. Yes. And you're you're not really facilitating <laughs> well, this, it, this it, interview.
1: It, it's funny how much easier it is to edit out music or loud rumbling in a print interview than an exactly. yes.
0: audio. <laughs> I know, man. And it's – well, then this year – I said, well, because they're like, hey, these are the these are the creators. Would you like to do any talks? And I said, you know, last year you didn't have a separate space, and uh, I found a lot of interference with what was going on stage. And I said, look, I get it. Yeah, this is for the fans. Mm-hmm. By all means, people were. I saw the people standing watching these live interviews. I don't blame them. Yeah, it's a it's a good way to keep people. You know, going to your booth and checking out your stuff, and and that's great, and that's wonderful. But it doesn't help me for my purposes. And they said, well, good news. This year, we're going to have two, a two-floor booth. Mm. Interesting. Well, You'll I be s-
3: directly above the loud noise-making speaker. Atta
0: girl. Because exactly. <laughs> literally, I said, well, is it an enclosed second floor? I said, because uh, if not, I said, you know, really, we've got the same problem. like, oh, it's not enclosed. I said... Well, then thanks, but no thanks. You know, I'm I, like, uh, you know, and again, I'm like, it's not their responsibility to no. think of everything mm-hmm. like that. It, uh, I'm sure you know, though, that at other conventions, when they offer interviews, they would have a separate ballroom. Yes. Yeah. And, and you would and you would have a room like we're in right now yeah. where you could have a, a normal conversation with when, creators. And they bring them from the floor and down, and, and that was great. Uh, you know, it's I, it's okay because it's really expensive. Yes. I, I'm sure, to, I'm oh. sure it's uh, that much more to have an additional room. For
3: and interviews. there's less space well, for them to have access that's true to too. here. That's it true. would be
1: a 20-minute walk just within the exhibit hall and up to a quiet yeah. room for that kind of a thing. Here. That's, that's anyways. true, too. So yep. I get the, the, the impracticality of it.
3: I've been making sure when we receive invitations to things, like we got an invitation to the uh, press room for the 50 years of Star Trek mm-hmm. with Nice list of actors oh, from yeah, the Star I got Trek that, I got that
0: one, too. Mm-hmm.
3: So when I RSVP'd for that, I made it very clear to them the format of our podcast. It releases at least a week after the convention is over, sometimes two, that our format is a conversation between the two of us yeah. sharing what Just we discovered at the convention, what we're excited about, and stuff. Because I find if they know what kind of coverage they're going to get they're a lot more cooperative, and they're not as upset or disappointed of, hey, I thought you were coming here with a list of questions to ask, and I thought it would be a printed article up the next day.
0: Did you get a response back?
3: I got accepted for both of us.
0: I I didn't, which is, uh, I'm like, That's and I kind of, whatever, it's okay. Yeah. yeah. But, I, but yeah, I'm like, I don't know, if, unless mm-hmm. if I did.
3: I also, you know. I got the accepted within the past 24 hours, and I also made sure to mention that we had reviewed both the Star Trek movies, one of which we mm. did within, I uh, believe the, the past month, month uh, so. in anticipation of the one God, I hope that's they don't coming out. To that
1: one. Why? This was one of the episodes. Oh, uh, we had a, a minor technical glitch. The uh, device in front of me we're recording on has a volume knob. Yes, <laughs> that was set poorly on my track. Well, that's, <laughs> happening. that's happening. <laughs> I like I those. A lot of it, but yeah, it's kind I, of embarrassing.
3: I like the podcasts where you sound like you're underwater and I sound perfect.
1: But I found a lot of the marketing people, if if you set their expectations Mm -hmm. and and work with them, they're easy to deal with. Mm -hmm. I mean, their whole job is to get the word out there and you're helping them out.
3: Yeah, but I've been telling most of the ones that I do answer back to of basically this is a fact-finding mission for us for future podcasts, not a we're recording here in the moment.
1: I have had a year or two where I did a lot of recording here at the convention. Some even on-the-hall floor. And on the one hand, it's fun to have the the, the crowd rumble and stuff. But on the other hand, going from, okay, this guy's in artist Alley. I've set up a time with him. To this guy's on the far end of the hall. I've set up another time with him. Yeah, it's hard. I'm not in shape for that. (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, it does. It's a, that's the one great thing. That and also I, I've said this as well online on, on social media. I'm all for Pokemon Go if it gets us off our yes. couches mm-hmm. and moving. And that's kind of how I feel about the con. Yeah, I, I I welcome the exhaustion and the effort to walk around and stuff. But you're right, and and that's why, like I said, for me when it comes to doing interviews, it really is more networking. Yeah, mm-hmm. because that's well. In but I but I leave myself open. Yes, but I leave myself open for the opportunities mm-hmm. of things like the Star Trek thing if it comes through. And I, I guess it didn't And that's I won't deny it. I'm like oh man I'm a, I'm a huge Star Trek fan I would have loved that But that's okay um, I am on the Under the Red Hood Or not Under the Red Hood uh, uh, Killing Joke Oh okay mm. So I'm on that press junket So it'll probably be My best chance to get Five minutes with uh, Kevin Conroy
2: mm. mm-hmm. So
0: you know That'll be cool So you know, it's great People are popping in And I think because We're set up the way We are I think they think We actually do belong in here <laughs> So I do think They're like oh sorry Okay Because every now and then The door opens up um, so, yeah, so so for those things, I leave myself open for those possibilities, but I try not to schedule yeah, interviews during ComCon for that yeah. very reason, like you said and everything. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts. I mean, Greg Pak last year had his uh, Dark Horse Western, yes. yeah. and he really wanted to do it, and instead I'm like, okay, instead of that, let's do that on the phone, but will you come to the podcast panel? And he did, and he was awesome. Yeah, yeah so great, was great guy. Great guy. So good man. Oh, yeah, I love Greg.
1: Well, that's part of what's fun about this convention is there's something for everybody, and no matter what your interests are, what your current tastes are and stuff, you can find something out there that'll just really float your boat and get you excited. Oh, yeah. But there's so much other stuff. It's also a sensory overload. in the- <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is. It, if you're not prepared for it, I understand. Mm-hmm. I, was, I, I that- have yet to figure out how to prepare for that part of it. Yeah, I guess that's true. I don't, you know, dude. I mean, at this point, you guys have been going longer than I have. I love it. I say it's like really expensive summer camp because it is. You <laughs> like because you guys are a perfect example. I run into my out of town yeah. friends. Yeah. yeah, we get to hang for a while. We swap stories. It's good to see everybody, and we're in a great you know city that is perfect weather. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's like all right. This is costing me an arm and a leg, but it's worth it, mm-hmm. and it's fun. And and no, and it does. I I do end up getting business. You know, it's Art Balthazar. I always like to quote him. He says, "You can't afford to go, but you can't afford not to go." Yeah. Mm. And you're when you're at a certain stage in your career, and for him, obviously, more of a publishing thing. But I'd even say it from a from a podcasting thing. I don't know, man. I still have that pipe dream because I I know that, and I'm assuming you know, you're you're doing it really for the love of it. Yeah. And everything. I am doing it for the love of it as well. But I also I will not deny my broadcast agenda. Because hey. I see the future, and I saw the future eleven years ago when I started doing this.
1: If I could retire from my day job and do this full time, I would love to do
0: that. Well, and you know, I mean, the way to do it is to you know pursue, keep on doing it, mm-hmm. and and you know, uh, luck is when uh, opportunity meets preparation. Absolutely, and yeah. that's and that's what we do. I mean, we're prepared. We do our shows each week, and we've got a product mm-hmm. that we can do. We come to these conventions. And that's why. So that's, that is that third of me just kind of networking and nosing around and seeing what kind of business I can drum up. Because, yeah, I mean, that's the one thing I got from not going to that podcast uh, conference but hearing about it is that everyone is kind of aware that, you know, the podcast machine is only going to get bigger. Yeah. yeah. And I heard this from the radio pros that I, that I know that went to it as well. And, no, they, they are starting to get it. And they're they're a little nervous in terms of we really should do more than what we do on the air, to to kind of spread our brand around. Well, absolutely, because I think podcasts, I mean, radio
1: is is it literally broadcast mass media. mass media out there and stuff. And what we're doing is is much more narrow casting, niche, it's niche casting, and yep. stuff like that. And it's what I love about it is I've been able to connect with people around the world that have similar interests in what I have and yep. stuff. And as you were saying earlier, anyone can podcast.
0: I mean, really. Best and worst thing about podcasting, it, anyone can do it. It is. Uh, and that's what kind of hurts us from well, – that's what we're talking about off the air, the, the legitimacy problem or, what, or at least current status that, again, is eroding. Because mm-hmm. well, good podcasting is happening and they can't ignore it mm-hmm. and they can't ignore the audience that, that we bring.
1: And it's not hard to do a little research and find out, hey, this is a guy who's put up three or four episodes and then pod faded or whatever, versus like you who's been doing it for forever and a day. I mean since podcasting pretty much existed, I think you – have one of the early yeah, adopters.
0: Yeah, you know, well, I was early. I mean there there are a couple before me. Comic Geek Speak was a couple of months before me and uh – Fanboy Radio was a couple of years before yeah. me and everything. Okay, I mean they they but kinda, they started radio. So yeah, well, yeah, oh, no, definitely yeah, not but discounting. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 and I mean you know, uh, but yeah, I mean, like I always like to say, we were all in the top ten because there were only eight of us. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. true You know, and it's kind of true. And and also, yeah, I go back to that 2006 podcast panel that we did, mm-hmm. and see who's still podcasting. I would say half of that that uh, panel is no longer podcasting anymore.
1: I would say maybe a little higher than that because, I mean, Comic Geek Speak is, as far as yeah, I know, yeah, still going, going. Oh, yeah, they're still going. But it's also a different group than they had yeah, back exactly then. right. And yep. that's a great strength for that podcast, yep. too, um, the new
0: voices. Comic News Insider, uh, jo- Joe doesn't do it anymore, but uh, it. Jimmy still does it. Okay. Lenny Taylor, I read comics. She hasn't done it for years.
1: Uh, Cammie's Corner, he Cammy's stopped. Corner
0: is gone. I, was he part uh, of that, 06? Uh, I don't know if he was in not 06. No 06. Not
1: in 06, not in 06. But Cammy, uh, yeah, you're
0: right. Cammy, you know. Uh, Augie de DeBleek, Augie, yeah, and he's who I still love. doing the the Yeah, he does the columns. But- you know, I saw I saw um, in his basking in his retirement, Jonah Weiland from mm. CBR, and he is the happiest rich guy I know. Good, because he can relax and enjoy himself, and he is like touring the world. And he, awesome. last last I saw from his Facebook, he's in Amsterdam, but he came to Chicago because uh, Art and Franco at their Skokie store had um, a signing for Kingdom Come for the. 20th anniversary. That for was,
1: Come. I think, the weekend he ended his time at CBR. That, yep. And what a, a great kind of a bookend, because it was Kingdom Come that got him started on that stuff.
0: Yeah, CBR, I guess, grew out of a Kingdom Come message yeah. board, which is pretty crazy.
1: Talk about a, a wild success story. I'm so happy mm. that he's able yeah. to travel yeah. the world and do no, Jonah, You know, and, Jonah's and a great guy.
0: Jonah's awesome. Matt Brady as well, and I've and I've had them both on in the last you know couple of years to talk. Actually, Jonah hasn't been on yet. Um, and he even said, "He said, you know, let me let me kind of decompress and gain more perspective, as opposed to like right afterwards." And I said, "Sure," because I did the same thing with Matt Brady. And it, man, they, I'll tell you, that's another thing that keeps changing, and, and it's something I think we've discussed at these podcast panels as well is access and how it's, yeah, in some ways it's getting easier, and in some ways it's getting harder.
1: There's it's some, very interesting. Some mm-hmm. publishers that just will give you anything you want and are really easy to work with. Others. Uh, the exact opposite. Oh, type. yeah. Nope, sorry, can't do it.
2: Yeah. yeah no, uh, it's
1: funny. Well, and that's, that's uh, I think, a reflection on how my podcast has changed a little over the years because I used to be able to do uh, the Weekly Comic Spotlight for these weeks, still doing a Marvel in DC. It took a little finagling schedule-wise, but it got to the point where it's like, okay, I need to record these in advance. It's taken enough of my time driving out here and stuff. Can't get a Marvel in DC book. Fine. Two weeks a year, we go all indie. Okay. And almost every time guaranteed to have a dark horse book because Aub gets his stuff out two weeks in advance. It's easy to, to get the review copies. Sure. I and mean, he's one of those guys who works great with the press. Dark Horse boom. Yeah. Valiant. Valiant. Uh, Dynamite was actually pretty good. Dynamite's this
0: time. okay. That's good. That's good to hear. And
1: there have been a couple of books as a result I have read that I never would have read otherwise. One or two, it's like one this time I actually gave a, a, a perfect score to, and it's like I got to go hunt down the previous volume. Which one? It was uh, Red Team Double Tap Center Mass Number One.
0: I don't know that book.
1: Uh, Garth Ennis and. Oh, is it one of his war books? No, it's a police procedural. Oh, cool. Oh, man. And the artist whose name I'm blanking on, uh, it is, it's not photorealistic art, but it, it reads like a, in kind of looks like a TV show primetime cop drama. Like Michael Arc used to
0: do with Gotham Central, I was going to say.
1: It kind of like that, but this was to the Even point so. where I think I felt like I should have been recognizing the actors who were playing <laughs> the roles, kind of a
0: thing. Like JG Jones did with Wanted.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly that kind of a thing. That's funny. It was, it was. Oh, I'm gonna have to check that out. It was brilliant stuff. And again, yeah, that's cool. Luck of the draw.
0: It's like I need a third book. That's a third book. We'll go with that. You know, Garth Ennis vastly underrated. Vastly underrated. I think. I mean, you know, and I, I mean it, and it maybe challenges uh, mainstream readers by the the genres he chooses sometimes. But I think that's awesome. And I mean, he's just, I think he, it just shows his versatility. Absolutely. I never would have
1: pegged him as being the guy who could just nail a police procedural style, tone, voice, everything. Sure. And I I mean, I more equate him with like the Punisher Max stuff or the harder core stuff. And it's like, oh, it's garbage. Did you ever read his
0: war stories when he was doing those in the early 2000s, for example?
1: No, but my co host TJ uh, has read a lot of that stuff and and likes it a lot. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. You know, and he always found like great artists that feel the same way and it's strongly about those subjects and stuff. And I know, like, David Lloyd, I got to talk to him about it in particular, and he was so proud of this naval story he did with Garth and everything. So I've always wanted to do that, and finally I found a writer that wants to do it, too. Oh, that's cool. So Dixon is like that, too. Dixon, uh, as he got kind of shunned by uh, DC and Marvel, I think it's only allowed him and forced him to go to other genres, but just shows what kind of craftsman he is, and I think you hand him any... From Simpsons comics to... His uh, war and western stuff. I mean, and, and sword and sandal, and mm-hmm. you, you name the genre. I think Chuck can do it. Yeah, I don't know. agree with him politically. I always put that out there because I think he's got a very strong political voice. <laughs> Yet, I really appreciate his friendship, and I, I love it when he comes on War balloon. And I think he's a very smart
2: guy.
1: Well, and if they're really good creators and stuff, I, I'm sometimes curious about what they think politically or whatever. But really, when I'm reading their their work, it's I want to be entertained. entertained. Sure, exactly.
0: mm-hmm. no, I hear you, man.
1: You know, and that's that's what it's all about. And I love it when they can get a, a creative team comes together that's very passionate about a book or whatever. And again, this is the sort of thing they want to be doing, and maybe can't at one of the mainstreams or whatever. It's like, hey, more genres, more material, the better.
0: What do you think? What do you think crowdfunding is right now? Do you think it's still as strong as it was? Is it getting stronger? What do you what do you th- see it? Oh, uh, from my
1: wallet, it's gotten stronger. Uh, <laughs> I've I've put in for quite a few.
3: Do you think the f- end of the Star Trek lawsuit is going to affect it also in the minds of some? Oh, did
1: you well, do the XNR thing? I did. I did the Axonar thing. Um, I, I love it, I Captain love Captain Pike
0: and a few others. Most of what I've been doing is either. Oh, I don't know, stuff. Captain Pike. Was that another crowdfunding? That was there? another crowdfunding. Oh man, this, does it look good? Did they have any it sort looked of
1: promising?
0: Uh, did, it how sounded. long of a video did they did they do oh, a video or no?
1: It's been like six months or more since I funded that one,
0: and to have it to look se- that one up.
1: It seemed like one where they were doing another funding to do the next part of the film or something like that, which is a little uh, disconcerting.
0: How much did they? How much of the film did they put up?
1: I, the the
0: Pitch reward I get oh, was oh, a full okay. video, so I was expecting them to
1: have funded the whole video, but I may have misread or whatever.
0: Well, but what did they, in their in their pitch for crowdfunding? Because, you know, like, yeah. Xenar yeah. had a good 20-minute. Yeah.
1: I mean,
3: that, was that thing stands yeah. on
0: its own as it a does. really good story. Yeah. Well,
1: and just amazing production. Oh, yes. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. where I
3: think I
1: they went wrong, is it's too good.
0: <laughs> I understand. I know. I've had this conversation ever since the lawsuit happened. And it's, you
3: know, well, but. Well, it's a combination of it was too good and they built their own studio they wanted to rent out well cuz leading up to I think to- that made it too much of a business Oh
0: sure well no I, absolutely i the thing is they were above board on all that and it's yeah. you want us to make a movie we're going to have to have a place to shoot it and yeah. again i think they were i think they were above board and they're not the first crowdfunding initiative to pay the people that are making their thing. I mean, you can make it as simple as Jill Thompson doing a scary godmother doll. Yeah. She is not making the dolls. She is hiring someone to do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, yeah. you know, well, money is being earned, you know. We did I, I, it's her character in that case. Well, obviously. yeah, that yeah. helps a lot. We but did an ahead.
1: episode on various uh, Star Trek projects. Okay. Star Trek continues I like it. Uh, uh, <laughs> Star Trek of Gods and Men.
0: Okay. I forget one or two of the Is, others. Of God's, wasn't that one of them? Wasn't oh no, that's uh, phase whatever. Changed. Well,
1: of, of God's Men had um, Uhura and Chekhov reprising
0: their roles. Oh, and that's the one too with uh, Captain uh, Whatever who killed Kirk. Uh, yeah, Harriman. Captain uh, Harriman. Uh, yes. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Cameron from uh, Ferris Bueller. Exactly. Alan uh, Rock. Alan Rock. Thank you. I'm Alan Rock. That's the right. actor name. I was gonna say Rucker, but yeah, Rock.
1: But they had <laughs> actors from various other branches of Star Trek, and it was it was well done. Not. Quite the production values that
0: Axenar had, but no, it was Axenar was again yeah. high production. Oh my values. god, yeah, no. Well, again, they they hired they hired professionals to do it they hired, uh, up and down. What and it, well, the thing that bothered me about CBS and Paramount going after Axenar was Tim Russ had his Star Star Trek Renegades movie. Yeah, we've watched that, and and that had very good production values. I think Axenar was slightly better, but the the battle scenes in Renegades were very good. I thought
1: I felt Axenar. Was was rivaling a theatrical release? Oh, absolutely! And I thought Renegades was a high-end fan film. Interesting. So I thought, and less the 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 ship scenes, than
0: more the the just the live-action footage. I understand. Did you see the adaptation of uh, Mind Sifter, the short story? No. Watch that because that is it's a great time travel story, and it was oh, okay. in one of the original paperbacks that came out in the early '70s called Star Trek New Voyages. Got it. And uh, it's Kirk gets dumped in the 50s in a mental institution by I might have the Klingons. I've actually read the book. And yeah, the Klingons use the mind sifter to wipe out Kirk's memory. And anytime he tries to think of the Enterprise, it causes him pain. Okay. And so he's stuck in, in a straitjacket in a, in a 50s insane asylum. The f- video adaptation is very. It felt like an Outer Limits or, or mm. a good or a good Twilight Zone. I mm-hmm. was really impressed. I agree with you from the acting because, and my comparison is, it's like going to see college theater. Yes, and yeah. in, in yeah. that, I appreciate the effort and and it's and it's got a level of craft to it, but it's certainly not Hollywood. Yeah, you know, and it's certainly not pure. I stage. gotta say, yeah. though
1: Star Trek continues is a lot
0: of fun. Oh, it's a great. Oh my God, the lighting—they they nail the effect, the look, everything. Of that era yeah, of the show. Oh, but that's like even when they do their scenes. The lighting is perfect. I mean, you really, I mean, if you were nearsighted and squinting at the TV, you might mistake uh, Vic, whatever his name is. Uh, for Yeah, Kirk. Vic
1: Montaigne or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: like uh, you're
1: watching the show from an alternate timeline where they just had different actors.
0: There yeah. you go. Exactly. No, it's, it's, uh, I like that show a lot. And I, and I appreciate the writing. Yeah, I think the writing is really good. It is. When I asked about crowdfunding, I meant though, and I and honestly, mm. I appreciate the tangent because I love all uh, the Star Trek stuff in particular. But I was wondering about from comics and everything. For comics,
1: you know, I'm not really seeing anything personally that seems to be really tapping into that well. Um, I think there have been a couple of, of companies that have maybe experimented or whatever. With it. I, not
0: companies, but oh, even just I'm saying when oh, creators oh, are going out to like kind of make their own books. Like, I think it's a smart move it, for creators to do. Do you think it's still like going well? Do you think that it's uh, flat? I mean, I don't know how much you're paying attention. Or, or
1: I'm not paying that much of attention. Okay. Um, the I'm not hearing much about it from my listeners. I'm not seeing much about it when, okay. I, when I go through Indiegogo or Kickstarter. I'm not actively looking for that stuff either. I have seen. Um, I think it's supers uh, number six. They were trying to get that crowdfunded and a few other things. Okay. I think it's a smart move for the uh, the publishers and creators to do, just because it kind of builds up the audience ahead of time and right. The risk. Yeah, exactly. So uh, from that perspective, from a, a reader perspective, I don't like it because of the the lag time. Yeah, it's a long time. You know, I've well, uh, one of the first the I think the first Kickstarter I did was for comics writer uh, software for writing comic book scripts. Okay. That uh, Did they ended
0: up doing. The well, that was
1: three years ago. They're, they're still just about to release.
0: Oh boy! No, I understand, and there are there are those kinds of buyer beware stories of, yeah. of things that don't happen. Um, John Ostrander and uh, Jan Dursma. Uh, Just did one and succeeded And in fact uh, succeeded And had people that still wanted to contribute So what started as a Kickstarter They're like okay if you want We'll do an Indiegogo with a very modest Threshold but saying if you still want To buy the finished Mm -hmm. book Mm -hmm. Here's an Indiegogo, which I think is smart because you know
1: that is one of the things I've noticed more on the tech side uh, with the crowdfunding space is there's now like the in demand in other ways that once it's gotten that initial funding you can keep funding. Yes,
0: and Kickstarter I think think, won't allow you to do that, but obviously Indiegogo I think is and that's the thing these other these other crowdfunding platforms have popped up that will allow you to do it. You know I've been using Patreon for for Mm -hmm. Word Balloon. And I honestly will say that I really appreciate the people that subscribe. It's a small number compared to my overall audience, but they are dedicated. I don't ask a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it helps me get to things like San Diego and and do all this. So I really appreciate it, and I'm glad that they see the value of what I do and are like, yeah, no, you know, something this isn't, you know, they they think it is, you know, worth their time. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate well, it. It,
1: it. To me, one of the things that keeps my podcast going is just having the listeners participate and in clips to the preview spotlight. I've got a donation button on the front page of my website that's been used maybe six times over the years. But okay. you know, just once in a while, I get you know enough to, to go have a meal or something like that, a small okay. meal. But it's the thought that counts. And yeah. just oh, getting yeah. that feedback of, hey, what you're doing is worth my time. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I try to do with some of the creators here is just go up to them and say, hey, you know, I've enjoyed your work over the years. Of course. You now, getting to do that with uh, Jose, uh, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez in C2E2 this year, yeah, me I mean, too. there are very few artists I would put as the pinnacle of, of comic oh my art, God. and he's one of the few I put above, like George Perez, who's one of my favorites. But I mean,
0: well, I mean, think of beyond the comics he did—the calendars, the lunchboxes, yes. the, the pajamas, the birthday cakes—he is the look of DC. Yeah, that that late seventies, early eighties look, absolutely, yeah. man know that i guess you'd say like late bronze age yeah pre-crisis
1: almost definitive of that for dc
0: I, truly he did the style guide i got yeah. a process page from the dc style guide and it has two flashes and a superman and a batman on it and it's the best hundred dollars i've spent this year.
1: oh i believe it yeah I and know. just being able to go up to him and say hey i appreciate your work absolutely
0: done. no no and that's yeah and that's cool because you know i just I, I haven't released it yet uh i i just spoke with uh damn it um Danny Fingeroth,
2: mm. okay.
0: and yeah. um, we were talking about Larry Lieber mm-hmm. because he he mentored uh, Danny in terms of being an, ed- an editor. He first worked under Larry, and I said, you know, you never see Larry at the conventions, and he said, he goes, I think Larry's been in three conventions in the last 60 years, and I'm like, wow. Yeah. I'm like, that's kind of interesting. He goes, no, he's just a private guy and everything, and it reminded me that when um, – Batman ad, uh, artist uh, from the seventies and eighties, and uh, got Bill B- no, 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 no. Oh, uh, Jim Parro. Jim Parro, exactly. Who? Thank you, my man. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, when he finally came to San Diego, and he like was at a, you know a, a spotlight, and so many people came up and said nice things, and he started crying.
2: Yeah, and
0: he's like, I, I never knew, you know, and that's like insane. It's like, my oh, God, man. dude, you're the you're one of the signature Batman artists.
1: Exactly. He he was like the look of uh, Brave and the Bold for the longest time. Oh, my God, yeah.
0: Back when Batman and Wildcat were getting together and putting yeah, them yeah. I mean, that's that's, that's my early stuff. Jim Aparo stuff. And and great Charlton comics before he even got to DC. You know, it yeah. was Giordano that brought him over to DC. But yeah, it was like Neil Adams and Jim Aparo were like the two great Batman artists. So no, it's it's cool. And and it's you know, it's interesting though, the people that you know, yeah, you, the you hope to get a chance to say thank you. Before it's too late. Yeah. You know, and that's why I was like with Larry Lieber. I'm like, wow. And people don't realize how much Larry Lieber does. You know, he draws the Spider-Man comic strip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's stuff like that. And, and you know, it's like you, you break it down. It's like, you know, technically one of the creators of Thor, Larry Lieber. Yeah. Because he's, I mean, he didn't, he didn't come up with the concept, but he scripted it. Yeah. Yeah. So you got you to, his name better be there along with Stan. And uh, if it was Jack, if not Don Heck, I forget which. Uh, oh, gosh. Or, Warner, or maybe Werner Roth.
1: I am so bad with creator names and that I kind of I'm, stuff. I'm yeah. not sure, but yeah,
0: you know. So another reason to come to the cons is, is to Absolutely. do that. Absolutely,
1: it's just it's amazing how much the uh, the industry changes from year to year. Because I mean, again, a year ago, I think the the crowdfunding space was a little bit different. I think certainly the frequency of release for comics was different. We're getting to where it's like every other week stuff's coming out. And to me, do you think
0: Marvel's going suit, to follow suit on that?
1: Uh, Marvel's done it first i mean i'm getting like an issue of iron man every other week it feels like
0: well that's that's true they are they are spread over a couple of different titles though right
1: uh, no is it I just mean, there invincible? are time because the way my my podcast works is i am recording one weekly comic spotlight and we've picked the next two that we're doing or we're picking two out so it feels like what we're about to pick it's like wait we're reviewing that tonight let's not pick that for for two weeks out wow i mean they've they 've got a quick cadence it 's every two or three weeks on a lot of books, and to me that 's the big difference with rebirth is going twice monthly on these books you know and where you were saying earlier how they had a, a big uh, influx of readers and stuff with new fifty two and it went down well it 's because you can only you can sample everything, but you can only keep getting so much right and that'll be different this time, but again it's just a difference in every year there's some subtle changes, sometimes big changes again, like the frequency and number of titles. But there's still that audience. There's still that demand. There's still that uh, hunger for just new material and different stuff. It's it, it, it's one of the things that I find very interesting. Coming to Con is just what are they pushing? What are they expecting? Has worked? What are they? What do they think is going?
0: Well, and I I it's going to be interesting. Actually, I guess tomorrow I'm going to. Are you going to the breakfast tomorrow for DC? No, I wasn't planning to. All right, on that. I that, been there's there's a nine o'clock on on. Thursday and Friday. It sounds like the same kind of stuff they were doing at the retailer summit. Okay. But I think this is more for the press. The, um, uh, I, I wonder, I mean, certainly Marvel is moving a lot of their announcements now to D23. Makes sense. The Disney, uh, Disney thing convention. in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And, and that's, and also for years, it seems like as much as they do announce here at Comic Con and stuff that they're holding stuff off, uh, they would do stuff in Chicago, they would do stuff at Fan Expo. Uh, and, and announce around Comic Con and not as much at Comic Con because it gets drowned out by. Exactly, I was going to say, it's TV, lost movie, in the and, new, and, new yeah. yeah, so, you know, it's, and, and certainly like this week leading up to Comic Con, Dynamite's been uh, spewing a lot of announcements. Boom has been spewing a lot of announcements. Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: A lot of stuff gets announced before, during, and after, and there's just right. a, a, a media blast happening yeah. at that point. I find it impossible to keep up on my email this time of year.
0: Oh, to- oh, my God, I got off the airport or the airplane to come here, and there were 63 emails waiting for me just since this morning. And yeah. I'm like, ah, all right. Crap, <sighs> crap, 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 crap. That's interesting. Crap, crap, crap. Yeah. You know, yeah. oh, this wow. I got to read now. This I can put off for a couple of weeks. That I just, I'll file it. Yeah. Exactly. And then the huge mistake, and I'm glad that I've started seeing it on social media, a lot of creators going, hey, young wannabe creator. Big idea. Do not try to start your Kickstarter around Comic Con mm. because it's a huge mistake. Because no one, will, no one cares. It's uh, our focus yeah. is elsewhere. Everyone's focus is elsewhere. Not a good idea. So, and and I'll still get a few people. Hey, can we talk? And it's like, no, I'm sorry. July is Comic Con. Uh, we'll I'll probably have some time in mid August. But uh, yeah, I've my, had a my couple of things. Dance hey. card is full. Can we talk about this? It's like, I, no, not right now. Yeah, just can't. Yeah.
1: Too, too busy, far too busy. Well, there's the prep for Comic-Con, there's Comic-Con, there's the recovery from <laughs> exactly. Comic-Con, which is, I think, longer than all the rest. But that's
0: yeah. true, too. Do you, how, do you go right back to work on Monday, or do you? Uh...
1: Oh, no, no. Monday we start, well, actually. Oh, that's right,
0: you guys take the long trip back. You guys always drive. do the, the,
1: Yeah, the road trip. I this know. time we're going up to uh, uh, Anaheim for SIGGRAPH. What's SIGGRAPH? It's a, uh, a graphics convention. Oh, that's where all the uh, uh, autumn, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, and just three D graphics and stuff—all their big announcements. Wow!
2: Are.
1: So, cool. like one of the the booths that used to be here, Smith Micro, that was doing Poser and Manga Studio. Uh huh. Uh-huh. The show didn't work out well for them. It's, SIGGRAPH is right nearby, or
0: time wise. So yeah, that's their target market, so they're going there. Oh, so that makes sense. I'll check them out there. then. interesting. Wow. So Man, Katie Cook was telling me. I saw her in the, in the lobby. That right after this, she's going to a Honolulu Comics convention. Wow. I'm like, boy, that's – but you know it's funny? She's like, I hate the sand. I hate the water. Oh, God. You know, I'm like, Katie, Jesus, it's not Island Paradise, literally. And she's like, well, my husband likes it. I'm like, well, that'll
1: be nice. (laughs) But that's one of the other things that's changed a lot over the years. It's getting to where not only are there so many
0: conventions, but they're, like, right on top of each other. Well, that's the thing. Seriously, man. That's – although, again, it's Honolulu, so – and I don't blame them. And I'm sure a lot of creators are like, all right, do I want to deal with another San Diego or do I want to go to Hawaii? Hmm. Tough I think. <laughs> choice, yeah. yeah. When, Especially if they're being invited.
2: We, oh, yeah. flown over.
3: We well, noticed with the June convention we went to in Dallas that several of the guests were there for just one day. And we're like, what's going on with this? We're used to San Diego. Were sure. you here for the whole thing or something? And then I get Was it a home. wizard show, by the way? No. no. Okay.
0: Because uh, I know a wizard show. Like it's does Toronto. Oh, okay, Expo, yeah. yeah, Fan Expo, sure. Yeah.
3: Well, the guests were then flying off to D.C. and other oh, conventions. The conventions.
1: Sure. They were doing two conventions that weekend. Same
0: weekend. Wow. Amen. Hey, it, I don't Whatever.
3: fault them for that at all. No, but yeah. t- I'm just stunned by the energy they have. And oh, also, the you really got to read the websites in advance to know which day right. the person right. you right. want to see, see is going to be That's there. True.
1: But it also shows what big, uh, you know, big industry the convention business has gotten to be. Yeah, I mean, not only is this convention huge, but New York is huge. I oh no, mean, they keep
0: yeah, they keep growing. They keep doing. The, I agree. There
1: is demand for this stuff.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, and again, look what TV and film are doing to uh, create new new audiences and stuff. Oh, Absolutely, no, I, I mean, love that's, it. Uh, yeah, it cracks me up at work. I, I really went from being the oddball to all of them going. You know, Mike, I'm fine. I'm watching Flash with my kids. What yes. can you tell me about this character?
1: I have a, one coworker in particular who's always pestering me to get current on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She has questions well. on that. I've got one as well. You know, what's going on here? I've got others who are that's asking hilarious. about this,
0: that, and the other. Yeah. Uh, you no, know. it's funny. And, I mean, that's that's great. And that's excellent. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, if it spills into comics, that's fine. It's, it's, it's interesting because, obviously, I think there is a little disappointment. I'm sure there's just a teeny bit of disappointment that it isn't generating more readers.
1: I certainly find it interesting that it would take, like, half of a percent of the people who buy, like, the Blu-ray or whatever to, like, double the comic sales. Oh, yeah. And it's just not happening. But to my mind, it's like when I was watching Super Friends as a kid. I wasn't then turning around and necessarily – well, actually, I probably was buying the comic. Bad I was going to
0: say I was. Yeah, man. But
1: even if I it wasn't led me to the comics. It, it led me to the comics eventually. You know, people who are watching that X-Men cartoon on Fox in the 90s may not have bought an X-Men cartoon then or comic then, but it made them much more predisposed. So now we've got an audience that is completely prepped and excited about this material, accepting of these properties. Sooner or later, they will come. And either to the print stuff, or to the digital, which seems to have leveled off. Yeah, that's been interesting.
0: And, I, and it's not just comics. I noticed uh, it, e-books as well. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'll tell you, I've got my, uh, right there. I got my, I got my Kindle Fire right there. Yeah. I really appreciate the convenience of mm-hmm digital comics and digital books.
1: Well, and that's also where, like, the uh, Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited comes into play. Because that's something, I'm just waiting for that doorbuster special to kind of kick me over the edge and sign up for that thing. But I've got a number of coworkers who, they're able to be casual comic fans. Oh, Civil War movie's coming out. I should go read the old Civil War stuff. Boom, it's all right there. Yeah, yeah. No, it's you know? great.
0: No, I agree. And it's, it's interesting that DC has still held off and not done a similar subscription model.
1: I think it's, it's think? good that they don't, because if they did, I would sign up for that. Weekly Comic Spotlight would probably do a six-month hiatus, and then uh, uh, industry revenue would plummet as I go all digital. Because <laughs> literally at that point, for about 20 bucks or less a month, I'd be able to get everything digitally versus the amount I'm spending now, which is more than $20. Well,
0: how much of a lag is there for Marvel Digital? to Six current? months. It's, six, it's only six months. Yeah. It's only one story arc. Interesting.
1: I've got a, a coworker, or not coworker, a co-host Sam, who's who's reading a lot of Marvel stuff. Sure. That, right? Oh
0: no, I have a couple coworkers Way who do the same, than. and they're thrilled. And it's like, oh no, I'm really catching up, and uh, and now they love it. They and it, and it's a great deal. It it's is. an I mean, amazing you know, deal. So I know. I mean, every now and then I, I keep, uh, you know, I missed the Father's Day one, and I should have taken advantage of it then. So believe me, I know what you mean. Um, although I have to say, when I go to the store. I am supporting more indies than I am uh, than I am uh, the big two. Really? Yes.
1: Interesting.
2: Okay. Yes.
0: And I'm very particular. I mean, I I like crime comics. I'm surprised I hadn't heard about that Garth Ennis book. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's most it's a lot of it is. Uh, I like AfterShock. I think AfterShock's been a very impressive. They've been doing some good new, stuff. Uh, publisher.
1: Yeah. Um. Replica was really good. I'm a little behind on Super Zero. Looking forward to Captain Kid and. I think Lifespaners, I think, was the other. Revisionist uh, is interesting. Yes,
0: um, I—I'll I, tell you, I was never a Valiant person. I checked out of comics when Valiant was happening, mm-hmm. but the level of talent made forced me to kind of pay attention to Valiant in a lot of ways. And it is more the—it's—it's uh, it's more of the uh, side stuff like Divinity. I really mm. loved yeah. uh, what uh, Kent did with that.
1: They're doing a lot of things that can be seen either as superhero stuff or as not superhero right, stuff. They're exactly. right there on the peripheries of that, that genre, which yeah, and, is great.
0: And they got that Chinese film money
1: yes. coming in. Man, when that kicks in and well, they that's what I was gonna say exactly. The, the Harbinger bloodshot war type stuff in yeah. movies.
0: movies, that's when I
1: think we may see Valiant go from, yeah, they published to, oh, that's Valiant.
0: We'll see. That's what's interesting. It's a, It's an interesting gamble because – that's the flip side of the TV and film success of, of Warner Brothers and yeah. Disney when there are like-minded uh, films and television that don't have big names and they – you know, they, there's that kind of indifference to them.
1: Well, you've got the Marvel Cinematic Universe and that game plan they've had that DC right. has tried to just replicate and shortcut. Right. But with Valiant, the plan they seem to have, at least for the initial few movies from what I've seen – Mirrors what they did in the comics, so they've got the storyboards, the whole game plan already written out and kind of proven out through the comic side. So if it could work great. It could. It could be a swing and a miss. It could be too late by the time the movies come out. Maybe the bubble burst on the, the, the the number of superhero things we've got out there. Well, that's, I don't know.
0: That's the thing. I don't know if because people are going to point at that and say, well, yeah, people are getting sick of superhero movies or whatever, and I'm like. No, I think they just hold on for the good ones and, the, and yeah. the ones that they think are going to be the good ones. And if it's an unknown, unknown you know, quantity that, you know, I, I don't know how it's going to do.
1: I don't think we've got the bubble bursting is a real possibility like the Western genre, the romance stuff, the right. musicals.
0: And by the way, I want to point out, as I always do with Westerns, it took 70 to 80 years for, yeah. the, for the bubble <laughs> to finally burst. Yes. Yes. So, you know, let's hope that we get a quarter of that.
1: Well, and also I think it got to the point where they ceased to be relevant because, I mean, people aren't riding horses anymore kind of a thing. It's-
0: well, but yeah, but they weren't riding horses in the 50s it, it, at their zenith in the early 60s. True. Actually, I think TV killed the film Western because it all kind of went to TV. Yeah. And yeah. there was that period in the very late 50s and very early 60s when no, there were literally like 40 – television westerns at the same time.
3: But didn't westerns appeal to the people whose grandparents told them stories about when probably. that was my life? Yeah, probably. You yeah,
0: still agree. Had- but I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, my, my, my Greek immigrants you know, weren't, you know... Uh, out on, You know, on the Western Trail or anything like that. But that's For your sketching Irish people, sure.
3: Well, but no, but my point is that I think the Westerns started dying off when the audience not only when couldn't relate to it personally, yeah. but they weren't getting the family stories that gave them the relate that's to interesting. aspect also. The, the grandparents
0: telling the stories, you didn't suppose. have... Well, you guys were from that Western, uh, you know, area,
3: um, so
1: that's
0: true. But again, yeah. you know, I'm in, I'm in Chicago, and yeah. you know, exact. I mean, we you know we had the immigrant story happening and stuff. So I don't know. I don't. But that's a that's that's probably that might be true from from your region. I don't know. That's interesting. I, I just think with the superhero stuff, it's enough science fiction
1: based, and you look at the technology explosion we've had right. in terms of cell phones and, and yes. the internet and stuff. It's very relevant. It, right, it we're makes growing sense. with it. We're exactly. growing with it. No,
0: I agree with that. Another thing, too, about Westerns, and now it just, and again, my tapioca brain just made it go away. Come on, John, what was it again? Oh, region. I know what it was. Um, the early 70s on television, all of a sudden, there was a huge push for less violence mm. in both police and Westerns. It literally killed the Wild, Wild West. The Wild, Wild West was only three seasons old and a very popular show. Yeah. But it came from the Nixon administration, toned down the violence on TV, and CBS canceled a hit show because they're like, all right, well, if we do that, then there's really no story. Yeah. Because it was an action-adventure story. So And Gunsmoke became, especially in its final years, much more of a family drama. Than mm-hmm. it was showdown on the on the street and stuff. So so yeah, I kind of think that's that's another thing that it, it kind of in the same way mm-hmm. that uh, Wortham's influence on on comics kind of you know hurt comic books in the in the forties and fifties fundamentally changed absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think it might have been that I think that's a contributing thing, but who knows?
1: Yeah, well, it's one of those things. The pendulum swings back and forth on those kinds of things. Oh, yeah. Certain genres come and go. I. I always find it fascinating where the the, the twists and turns go from. Oh my God!
0: To it's history. you know I'm I feel the same way and you know before comics boxing obsessed me for a very long time sixteen years and it was just watching what was going to happen next was always part of the appeal and that's why I'm as interested in the geek culture because literally I believe we are only if we're not at the dawn. Then we're still in the salad days. Yeah, I don't think we've reached the zenith. I don't think we've reached the zenith yet. I don't think we've reached peak geek, as uh, Rob Salkowitz would say. No, not at all. Not at all. It's still coming.
1: I think so because this- you know
0: Mar- Warner's is just getting started with all their stuff, and once they get their house in order, yeah, watch out. They've got it. They got it down in TV. Honestly, I would just you know what I would do? I'd fire, I'd fire everybody. I'd hire Berlanti and Guggenheim and. Uh, all these guys and 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 women that are uh, uh, producing uh, Supergirl and Flash and you know all these all these shows and and throw them at the movies. I mean now everyone's going, yeah, but you know Berlanti was involved with Green Lantern. It's like yeah, he was one voice of six.
1: Yeah, well and look what he's done since. I exactly. think he yeah. learned
0: lessons. Exactly, exactly, man. Hey, Favreau said that Favreau's like I could not have made Iron Man if I hadn't made Zathura and a couple other movies before it to understand what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I and absolutely and Loeb will tell you the same thing because he learned a lot from heroes mm-hmm. that he could apply. And okay, this is what we don't do with these Marvel shows as, as we yeah. move forward. No, there's there are lessons to be learned. Absolutely, and that reminds me. Next time I talk to Loeb, I'm going to have to ask him and go. All right, give me some serious lessons. What did you learn? Yeah, that yeah. would be awesome. So he's I'd love great. To hear that. I, you know, and it's it's just he's a guy. And again, the two, the difference between the two companies. I could pretty much talk to anybody I want with Marvel except Dan Buckley. Mm-hmm. And the only reason why Dan is Dan's just like. He, he gets nervous on, on – and that's mm, yeah. fine. I get it. Some people are that way. But, but uh, Jeff is great that way. And it's really – it's great that we've got somebody like Jeff making these shows because he's a fan too. Yeah, And he is willing to – like, and, and I can literally go, isn't this awesome that you're doing this? And he's like, yeah. And, and, you, know, and like, you know, this is great. Well, when you've got so, the
1: people with the, the right talent and that
0: passion for the enthusiasm The enthusiasm for the material, yes.
1: That's when you get just some great stuff. Yeah. And we're getting so much of it now. We've got the the Star Wars movies. We've gotten the first of a whole bunch that we're going to get. I mean, to to even think we're close to peak geek at this point, yeah. I just I don't see it.
0: I'm surprised as we're recording this. You know, they've already announced that there's going to be a fourth Star Trek movie from JJ, mm-hmm. and that at first surprised me. But then it's like, well, that's based on the strength of this movie, I guess. That seems to be the case, at least yeah. from a Paramount standpoint. So maybe they've finally gotten it right. I mean, again, we'll know. I'm sure by the time this comes out, the movie will be out, unless you're going to put it out tomorrow. No. I'm going to do it that quick. How quick are you going to watch it next week? Are you going to go see the movie?
1: Um, we're going to see the movie probably when we get back home, so maybe nice. another week
0: or two. That's it's, cool. That's on the list. I'm uh, mm-hmm. a big Star Trek fan. Me too. I'm taking, I'm taking off uh, till next Wednesday, so I'm sure like once I've decompressed, probably Monday or Tuesday night, I'll... Yeah. I
3: always have to tease John. The most exotic place he ever walked around was Romulus.
1: Uh, our Where? dad... Uh, Romulus. Romulus. Yeah. You know the cafe that uh, Picard and uh, Data waited for uh, Spock at? Yes. We- we've been there. Where is it? It was on the Paramount lot. Oh, it was that's only there great. for a couple of days. Oh, that's fantastic. We actually got a set tour uh, one wow. time. Wow. We cool. got to go on the, the, the transporter uh, pad. Nice. Uh, couldn't go onto the the, the bridge. bridge of the Enterprise because it was again Nimoy's there. Okay, it's like okay, I get you got to lock certain things in. I get, that. I respect that.
0: That's uh, huge. Yeah, yeah, going. Did through. you do the Vegas? Go no, go ahead and finish. And oh, we
1: did some of Deep Space Nine, some of the other standing sets, the the cave. They oh, had, that's that great. Kind of stuff. Wow, mm-hmm. uh, we've been to the Star Trek Experience. We didn't go do the full thing, but we did that. Uh, a couple of years back, uh, we yeah, went no, through well, Vegas one time on. The OK, because when mm. I would
0: get to go uh, cover boxing mm. uh, in Vegas, I would always uh, and luckily was there until, you know, probably late Sunday afternoon, so the fights were Saturday night usually. Mm-hmm. So after I was done with all the fights and stuff, I would make time. I would get all my bags, cool. go to the Vegas Hilton, go through the experience, get drunk at Quarks,
2: <laughs> there you which go. was
0: fantastic have a warp, they had a drink called the warp core breach it was like a rum punch mm-hmm. it was fantastic and uh, they did have the the full sized uh, enterprise d bridge all right as part of it well a couple And years it was back great at the
1: aerospace museum here they had uh, the bridge
0: Oh that's cool and I also I know right now in New York the the, the and I don't know if it's I think it's actually the new voyages uh, okay. fan film, mm. ah. James Cowley's, uh, okay. Okay. which is like authentic to the the T. Yeah, again,
1: I as mean, we were saying earlier with the fan films, oh, the, yeah. the quality they do and the reproduction Absolutely. of the sets is unbelievable.
0: So yeah, I'm kind of hoping it'll still be there in October when I'm when I'm out there for uh, New York Con or whatever. Oh, That'd be cool. Make a pilgrimage. But yeah, that was. Uh, that was my uh, that that's my biggest moment was yeah just uh, going to the Star Trek experience and doing the doing it I I only did it when it was the next generation one I never did it when it was Voyager and
1: the
2: mm.
0: I can understand that I, I didn't understand. care I mean I like Voyager I like Voyager
1: too but next gen was really I think one of the peaks for Star Trek
0: oh I I'll be honest I think Deep Space Nine was as well yeah because I really think it asked tough questions like the way it tackled religion and religion's place in society yeah and, mm-hmm. you know with
1: religion a lot and it had. World building. I mean, the the, the number of characters they built up. Well, and
0: and literally world building in terms of you were introduced to Bajor, you were introduced to Cardassia, and the way they played with all the other aliens. And especially Bajor being a very reluctant, not, oh, great, yeah, let's join the Federation. Wait a minute, we don't know if we want to join the Federation. And and the uh, complicated characters, including Kira and uh Louis fletcher kai win mm-hmm. i mean that's mm-hmm. the thing it's like yeah what do you do when the pope is against you yeah, yeah. you know? i mean yeah. and that's it's re- and also that the pope's a false prophet yeah yes. i mean it's really really interesting shit yeah that was no I, I thought deep space nine was incredible i i told avery brooks that yeah mm-hmm. and he's like i don't care john oh <laughs> no he didn't say that he was no, awesome. it's classic. he wouldn't let me buy him a drink though oh man but it was great because he, he he totally like cisco me and he's like john You don't need to buy me a drink. We're having a lovely conversation. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, (laughs) thanks. You know, he was awesome.
1: I'm looking forward to the
0: new TV show uh, for Star Me Trek. Me too, man. Are you gonna? Are you gonna? So you're gonna do CBS All Access as well? I I Almost well, certainly. I, am. I, am. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, this point,
1: I'd like to know the premise, the time frame, little details about the show other than it's Star Trek. But you know, yeah. I'm
0: I trust Brian Fuller. I got to be honest, man. I yeah. love pushing daisies. I, I everything he wrote. He was a good Star Trek writer too. And I, by the way, they're giving him way way too much credit. He was a good Star Trek writer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: isn't like you know, this isn't Harlan Ellison stepping down or even. Well, and actually, they've yeah. got they do have, however. Um, Nicholas Meyer coming on the show as a, as a consultant mm. and everything, and that makes me happy. And I think he, as an outsider, contributed some amazing stars. Yes, starts, right? absolutely. So, you know, but no, I'm I'm confident. I, I think the right people are doing this show. I think and, so. And that's why, based on what I'm hearing about the fourth movie, or, or that they're yeah. going to make a fourth movie, Simon Pegg probably nailed it. And, you know, he's one of us. Yeah. He is. Uh, the fact that he was writing it, I mean. Yeah, that made us all like— Okay, well, there's a chance, but I got to be honest. That first trailer, I was like,
1: "Yeah." It felt very fast and furious, and that the director <laughs> influence was a little heavy.
0: But if it's fun, well, and I keep hearing that, no, that like the characters have serious arcs. It plays like an original series episode, and if all that's true, then that's all you need to do for me. Absolutely. I was just so, were you let down by the second movie? No, I loved it a lot. Really, Star Trek Into Darkness? Yeah, I, I I felt let down. I'll be honest with there you. There
1: were a couple of things here and there with a little ludicrous or whatever the the beaming across galaxies or whatever. But they oh, set you see, that up.
0: Now you know that, or even the Enterprise going underwater. None of that. None of the science bothered me. Okay, because that's fun. Yeah, and but you know that. But that said, the yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Believe me, we're balloon audiences have heard this more than enough times. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bore your audience with. It. I'll tell you okay, it but but it is more. Like just character driven, and also at the end of the day, Zachary Quinto, I'm not crazy about him as Spock. Eh, I like
1: it. I liked how they had they paid homage to the, uh, the the Wrath of Khan stuff and went in a different direction, yet had parallels. They're respectful of the history while charting new ground.
2: I, yeah,
0: no, I, I know that was the intent. That's what I like. But I I felt like you know they tried too hard with the fan service. Yeah,
1: I can see that too. But you know, it's we'll, we'll talk off the air about that. Absolutely. That. So. We Any, can wrap if you want. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think I it's think we're a good at, yeah, conversation.
0: Yeah, right. I agree.
1: I'm looking forward to the convention. I'm hoping I survive it this year, as always.
0: As, uh, as I do as well, and I appreciate it. I also appreciate your Jay Garrick uh, t-shirt. I'm assuming that is that a Jay Garrick t-shirt, or is that a Captain Marvel t-shirt? It's a Captain Marvel t-shirt. I'm gonna, in my mind, it's still a Jay Garrick t Jay Garrick t-shirt. would be upside down. the Lightning comes up from the bottom. Oh, that's interesting. Is that true? I'm going to have to look I'm going have to look you're at my GSA comics and then You're going to have to, have to look that. that one up then I see yeah right. cuz I and I was just going to say that it, I, I know the lightning bolt's a little bigger on on Jake Eric that I think it almost goes up to the neck. It goes up to the neck but it starts wide at the base and to the point oh, at the top. That's interesting.
1: You see what I'm going to do is it's a, it's a, a red, you know, Shazam t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have it and just kind of arc it a little when I go by the Bandai booth and say it's Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just do the curved lightning bolt kind of all thing. All right, all right, that's fine. Well, dude, a pleasure as always. Uh, yeah, good seeing you both, and uh, thank you. And glad we uh, could do this. Absolutely, and uh, we'll we'll touch base at the next con. Sounds good. Okay, a little postscript. Uh, I came back from Comic Con with massive con crud. Man, I am telling you, I was all set to watch uh, Star Trek either uh, Monday or Tuesday coming back, but I had the flu really bad through Wednesday. And uh, it just didn't happen until the weekend. So Friday night, I saw Star Trek. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I still feel like Zachary Quinto is a poor man's Spock. I don't know why. I think, um, and again, because some listeners are like, well, you know, uh, he's obviously different from Nimoy because he lost his planet and he lost his mother. Yeah, I, I saw the first two movies as well. I'm well aware of that. I get it. But I think inadvertently, and I made the comparison to Jason Todd, and the way that he was written, I, I just think it it kind of leads to a more petulant, um, a more bitchy Mr. Spock. And if you got a bitchy Mr. Spock that's kind of smug, um, you know, Nimoy, I guess, had a little bit of that, too, in the early portrayal. But I just got used to Nimoy's poker face and subtlety um, when it came to uh, presenting the character. And there are moments with Kinto like that, but... The guy just literally wears his emotions on his sleeve, and I felt like we got a lot of that in the movie. I think it diminishes his arguments with Dr. McCoy uh, when they go at it. By the way, Carl Urban, you know, his usual letter, best self. Really, I love the crew up and down. I love everybody as far as the new crew. I think they all do great jobs with the characters. And it's that lone exception of Zachary Quinto. And it's nothing personal because I thought he was great on Heroes. I've enjoyed him in other things that I've seen him in as well. I think he presents himself well in interviews. I don't think he's a bad guy. I just don't care for his portrayal of Mr. Spock. And it, to me, always seems to kind of hurt the uh, J.J. Abrams Star Trek films. That said, I, I would say out of four stars, I'd give it three. Out of five stars, I'd give it, I guess, three and a half or four. Uh, if you prefer five stars, I don't know, I'm from a four-star world. Uh, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert are from a four-star world here in Chicago, so that's kind of my measurement. Um, I thought it was a very good film. I didn't think it was an excellent film. I thought the story was amazing, but again, I, I just think, you know, Spock is a really important part of Star Trek. And every time I see Zachary Quinto, I feel like I'm watching uh, a college actor uh, kind of play it. It just it, He's the one that sticks out to me, and I just don't buy him as the character. Um, but I loved everything that uh, Simon Pegg did in the film, as far as the uh, storyline. Uh, what a great idea for a bad guy without spoiling um, everything. And, and and I think it was fan service in the right way, where um, there are references that hardcore Star Trek fans would absolutely eat up, uh, as opposed to just uh, giving us uh, callback scenes with new actors doing them, and like kind of the way they did in Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, so I-, I really hope Simon Pegg writes the fourth movie, and I-, I look forward to it. And I am intrigued that Chris Hemsworth has been uh, mentioned as being in the fourth movie. Does that mean we'll see him in flashback? Does that mean we'll see him in time travel? I don't know. I'm content to wait. Uh, I you know if I'm if I'm talking to some. Other Star Trek fan in, in conversation, uh, either on the show or, or later on, uh, you know, in a, in a comic store or whatever setting and stuff, I'm happy to give my opinions. But, you know, w- we won't know until it comes out, and that's great, and I would hope not to know. So I hope they don't spoil. Again, uh, Idris Elba's uh, bad guy, I'm really glad they kept a lot of that in the dark, and I congratulate them from keeping us in the dark. Again, I think very intriguing way of uh, presenting a new bad guy in Star Trek. So, mm-hmm. Uh, No, I I really did enjoy the story and uh, it got me excited about Star Trek again. I never lose my excitement for Star Trek, but there you go. And in fact, the the best one of the best parts of the convention was um, they showed the movie, as I said, uh, probably in the conversation with uh, John and Kay. Um, But the great thing was they uh, um, Alex uh, Peters, who plays um, Captain Garth, in the Star Trek: Axonar fan film that is currently being sued by Paramount and CBS, he saw the movie. He couldn't help but gush about it and how great it was. Now that's a Star Trek fan, man. When uh, they're suing you for millions of dollars, and uh, and the guy still is like, "Hey, it was a great movie. I had a great time." So uh, I thought that was terrific. So I saw the uh, Galactica panel with uh, Richard Hatch and Alex Peters. And I'm, I'm sorry to say I don't have the program in front of me or I forget the woman's name that was also a producer on Star Trek Axenar. And uh, their, I think one of their main makeup people as well. And the three of them, you know, obviously uh, Richard Hatch, massive Galactica fan, but Peters and this woman as well. And it was great to hear them. And they speculated on what the next Galactica movie might be. Certainly a lot of votes for a Pegasus story. But, uh, you know, that Glenn R- Larson project that was even going on while. Uh, the Sci-Fi Channel's new Galactica series was happening. They're, they're very intent on making a Battlestar Galactica movie or new project of some sort. I'm all for it. I think there's a rich uh, history there, and they can go in a lot of different directions and and go beyond the original story. Um, so it, it would really be interesting to see them pick up uh, Battlestar Galactica and uh, give us a new direction and uh, hopefully a new series or a new a series of movies. Who knows? But I'm all for it. Anyway, there you go. That, that those are my thoughts on uh, today's episode of Word Balloon. And uh, do me a favor and uh, give me your thoughts. Uh, you can either do that via social email. Uh, you can also uh, do that uh, through Speakpipe at uh, wordballoon.com. dot com. Start to get a couple messages from Speakpipe, and I'd be happy to share those uh, with you on some uh, upcoming uh, Word Balloon uh, episodes. But more content coming from Comic Con. And uh, also uh, some fresh interviews as well that happened before and right after Comic-Con as well. Even with my com crud, I still managed to uh, uh, do a couple interviews last week. So i got to catch you up on all that. And also lots of people champing at the bit to come on in August. I am happy to accommodate. Uh, So uh, you'll be hearing some uh, return guests and some new people as well in the weeks ahead on Word Balloon. And I hope you'll enjoy the content that's coming up. Word Balloon is brought to you by, uh, again, the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you very much for your support. And uh, also from InStockTrades.com, where uh, there's some really neat uh, books going on right now at InStockTrades. You can get uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Classic Trade Paperback Volume 1, featuring work by Michael Gallagher and art by Kevin West. Uh, This is the original Guardians uh, in the year 3000. And uh, I think you'll like it. It's 50% off, $17.49. You can get uh, X-23, the complete collection. Lots of great writers and artists involved in this uh, collection. Looking at uh, the woman clone, Laura Kinney, uh, female Wolverine. Uh, It is uh, how much? 50% off, $17.49, same price. Uh, Let's see what else we can get. Uh, Here, DMZ, God, one of my favorite books. Uh, Brian Wood, uh, Ricardo uh, Buccelli, if I may. Uh, This is uh, Trade Paperback uh, 2, issues 13 through 28, and it is 45% off, $13.74. Prison School. What the hell is Prison School? Very interesting. From Yen Press. Uh, This is a a very cool anime. Or, I'm sorry, manga. You see, this is why I suck. Okay, I am. I'm horrible at at, uh, Japanese comics. Shame on me. Great manga. It looks very intriguing. And it is uh, 25% off for 400 pages, just $15 at InStockTrades.com. You tell I'm still in low gear, can't you? But uh, I promise I'll I'll brighten up uh, in the days ahead. But lots of great books are uh, on uh, great discounts at uh, InStockTrades.com. Canton Street Press is up to 50% off. There are lots of sales clearance titles up to 70% off. Uh, P.S. Art Books up to 70% off. Uh, So many great deals. Just go to InStockTrades.com, and you'll find them there at prices you won't believe. Don't forget, $50 or more, if you're paying that much, they're going to give you free shipping. And uh, they're just a great outfit with great books at great prices. Trades. Dot com. I know everyone's like, all right, we've said you've said it enough. We know where to go. They're my sponsor. They're good guys and women. We like those people. Hi, Cam. Hi, Christina. They're all right. All right. There you go. That's what I got for today. And uh, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, I promise to be back in a, uh, really uh, in a few hours with another episode of Word Balloon. So if you just downloaded this, uh, wait around about twelve more hours and be something new as well. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2016.